You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you're a 415-er, 415 you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast. As always on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, please download, rate, subscribe, and listen wherever you get your podcast from. We're coming at you twice a week here in the offseason post-NFL draft. That is Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings. We're going to be getting into some of the winners and losers on the current roster based off what the 49ers did with their nine draft selections. We're going to be talking about a couple of signings that they made this week. One at a mm. course, an always interesting position. And we're also going to have some fun with, uh, I don't know, kind of a, a quote that we saw from last week that I thought we could turn into a bit of a, a fun segment for you here on the 415ers. But before we do all that, Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings with you. Mark, my man, how are you? I'm doing well, Evan. A little bit of a down period right now in the NFL after the draft. So enjoying that, a chance to catch our breath after the NFL offseason has kind of run 24-7 since the end of the Super Bowl. There's been drama. There's been crazy news, trades, signings, uh, you know, players saying I'm not going to return to this team. You know, there's been a lot going on. And this is kind of a natural down period uh, for the league, and it's been kind of nice to uh, catch your breath a little bit. But I'm also looking forward to what's coming up the rest of the offseason, rookie mini camps. You get a chance to to know uh, a lot of the Niners' nine rookies that they drafted, of course, also undrafted free agents. All of that, it will be here before you know it. So enjoying a little bit of a downtime overall, but looking forward to getting back on the horse. Uh, I'm doing well, Evan. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Not quite a, a down period, but a bit of a downpour outside in San Francisco here. <laughs> For real. And uh, yeah, ex- exactly. It's like, you know, again, a little symbolic of the period where we're at. We're after the NFL draft. You kind of have that, you know, I, they call it a little bit of a hangover, I, I'd say. You know, you get your new players. You're trying to figure out who's going to be a part of the future, who might not be there for that long, who's going to take whose spot. All those questions don't apply as much to the 49ers just because they didn't really have a, a ton of top picks. But nine draft selections, we know what they've done, especially in the fourth round and beyond. And so I think a lot of interesting prospects to take a look at. But where we want to start today, Mark, is how those nine draft selections could potentially impact the current roster. Nine of 22 starters returned from last year's NFC Championship team. There's not a whole lot of starting spots to go around. But if you're looking at sort of winners and losers for the current 49ers, uh, where does your mind go first? And I want to start with the winners, Mark. The winners, winners of the NFL draft. This is an interesting one. Uh, I have a few names, but the first one I will go with, I think is probably the most obvious one, Evan. I know I talked a lot about this pre-draft, and I think 
you at least for the most part agreed with me. I thought the Niners would draft an offensive tackle. And I know we talked about it last episode. Very surprising. They did not draft someone. Now, I, I did also lay out a reason why I think there are more moves coming for the 49ers at this stage of the offseason. And I know we'll get to a couple of them, but I, I still think there is more beyond this. So maybe they do go out and, and beef up their tackle depth. Um, but I think for me, the clear cut winner is Colton McKivitz, Evan, who slots in as the team's starting right tackle now and gets a gigantic vote of confidence that there was no one drafted behind him to potentially compete with him for the starting right tackle spot. He seems to be the heir apparent for, you know, Mike McGlinchey's starting role. Uh, so for me, Evan, that seems to be the, the clear number one winner from this NFL draft that is currently on the 49ers roster, Colton McKivitz. I mean, I, I, I was, I would have put a lot of money on the Niners drafting at least one offensive tackle in this draft, considering how many picks that they had. They didn't take a single one. I would have been wrong. I was wrong, and I would have lost a lot of money if I didn't make that bet. Um, so I think Colton McKivitz is probably sitting in the Niners locker room or sitting at home on his couch, feeling pretty confident about his prospects at, at being a full-time starter this year. Yeah, no, Mark, I think you're spot on about the right tackle position. Colt McKivitz should be feeling better due to the fact that that was the biggest hole in the offensive line. I also would throw Jake Brendel in there a little bit, being a center that is a little less experienced. Uh, Spencer Burford and Aaron Banks, of course, are safe. Banks with his position that he was drafted, Burford with his performance in his rookie season. Uh, but Brendel also, I think might have been on the lookout for a potential center being taken and not a single offensive lineman, as you mentioned, was grabbed by the San Francisco 49ers. But to me, the biggest winner of the draft is clearly Trey Lance. I felt like if the 49ers were going to move Trey Lance, which I don't, that would have been at the NFL draft. That would have been the best time to do it, to try and recoup some capital, to redistribute that and repurpose it however you see fit. I know that they made a quarterback move this week. We'll get into that in a few minutes, but they did not take a quarterback and he is still on the roster. To me, that labels a win in every single way for Trey Lance. The 49ers were tagged with Dorian Thompson Robinson. They were tagged with some lower level players that they worked out here in Santa Clara. They were of course connected at the NFL scouting combine with the Indianapolis Colts, the Minnesota Vikings, there were so many different places that Trey Lance's name was involved in, and he is still on the roster. I understand that a lot of the uncertainty around Brock Purdy's elbow is a perhaps a big reason for that, but to me, that still is very much in play, the question mark about their current QB1 or their hopeful QB1, and that means Trey Lance is going to stay put, in my opinion. And so if we're looking at a winner from this draft, it's the guy who gets to keep his job, and it's the guy who gets to stay on this team, and that's Trey Lance. Yeah, I mean, considering alternative, what we were talking about for weeks and months leading up to the NFL draft was, all right, are they going to trade Trey Lance during the NFL draft last weekend? Is, is he? Is it, are these his last days as a 49er? The fact that he's still a 49er seems like at least a, a slight vote of confidence for him. At the very least, Evan, it signals we're not so sure uh, if we're willing to give up on you just yet because, you know, we don't know what our our hopeful starting starting quarterback, uh, his his elbow is going to look like. So I'm with you. Um, I'm not so sure I'd go as far to say he's the number one winner of the draft, but it's it certainly is looking up, I think, from a week ago now, uh, Trey Lance's future. 
Uh, one guy I think maybe is flying a little bit under the radar here as a winner from the 49ers uh, draft. It's something that Kyle Shanahan mentioned early when he was talking about drafting a kicker. He kind of jokingly said, I can't believe we didn't draft a running back. Uh, I think there's a, a very real reason why. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey, he's not a winner. I mean, he's not threatened by any rookie out there. Um, and obviously, Elijah Mitchell is there. But I think part of the reason why Niner fans might think that the Niners would go after another running back is because of Elijah Mitchell's injury history. But it's the guy that's sitting behind Elijah Mitchell on the depth chart that I think is a winner, Evan, and that is Jordan Mason. Uh, I think Jordan Mason showed enough as a rookie last year uh, that the Niners are not totally reliant on a healthy Elijah Mitchell to get through a season. Obviously, McCaffrey is a big part of that. He's going to eat the bulk of the snaps at a running back. He's going to play nearly every snap. Um, but when he doesn't, and if he needs a breather, I think the 49ers are very happy and content with giving those snaps and giving some carries here or there to Jordan Mason. I think he is kind of a quiet winner from this NFL draft. Evan, it's the first time in a very long time they haven't drafted a running back. Um, and, and I think a big reason why is, is the uh, roster's confidence, the team's confidence in Jordan Mason and what he could do potentially as a – as the second running back, if there is potentially, unfortunately, another injury to Elijah Mitchell. I like where your head's at. I decided to take it a different way. If I'm going to think about a winner, I kind of think it's Debo Samuel because not drafting a running back means there's going to be more carries to go around. And I, Jordan Mason is the backup and proved himself to be somewhat of a bell cow guy, but I also feel like with more touches available to running backs, Debo Samuel's value as a hybrid guy could allow him, I think in a year that is important for him, of course, there'd be just some decisions that have to be made after next season that we've discussed ad nauseum um, to get more involved in the running game. There was also only one right wide receiver taken in the seventh round and a guy that, you know, Ronnie Bell's, we had a good college career, um, not extremely impressive, both physically uh, and or on the field at Michigan. So to me, Debo Samuel dodged that bullet, potentially. Um, I am curious, though, <laughs> the, the running back room for the 49ers, I think just because of how much variation there's been in the in the quarterback room, has had its eyes off it for a bit. But in a way, I, I am with you that – you know, whether it be Jordan Mason or Elijah Mitchell, um, and especially Christian McCaffrey. I, I know Christian McCaffrey was healthy for much of last year, but of course was coming off of two injury-riddled seasons. In a way, Mark, it, it is potentially a little thin if something happens to McCaffrey. Well, yeah, I mean, if something happens to McCaffrey, then you have to hope Elijah Mitchell has his first injury-free, I don't know, two-month stretch uh, in his career. Uh, or you you really give Jordan Mason a, a bunch of carries. And obviously the 49ers hope that that never happens and they don't want to see Christian McCaffrey, their star, go down. But I do think the 49ers deciding not to draft the running back is at least a bit of a signal towards Jordan Mason. You could maybe say, you know, Ty Davis Price, I don't know. The writing on the wall last year was that they certainly preferred uh, Jordan Mason to die uh, to die Davis Price, um, but 
I, I think it's mostly about Jordan Mason. I think it signals to him that the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, are confident in his ability to fill in potentially more than just, uh, you know, for breaks here or there, potentially fill in in a, in a chunk of games in a in a series if needed. I think there is confidence there. Otherwise, they might have tried to, to get some more depth at that position. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the 415ers podcast coming at you twice a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Please listen, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. We very much appreciate that. That is Mark Grandy. I am Evan Giddings. When it comes to losers from, as a result, I should say, of the NFL draft, not really, honestly, a lot of names that immediately popped into my head, Mark. But, but I do have one that I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on, and I'm curious where you go with this. If you had to kind of key in on, and of course, no one's a, a loser on the 49ers. They have potentially the best roster in football. But someone who, I don't know, might be sweating a little bit looking at the future and down the line due to who was picked, who kind of comes to your mind? Uh, this is a tougher one. I think there's one very obvious one. Uh, we can get to that one later. Maybe you have this one. So I'll go in a different direction first. Uh, I think it's Ambry Thomas, uh, Evan, at the cornerback position. He's now entering his third year out of Michigan. He had the highlight of his career was picking off Matthew Stafford in week 18 down in Los Angeles to clinch a playoff spot for the 49ers. That was when they were dealing with a plethora of injuries. and He was kind of thrust into major snaps and wasn't terrible, but was picked on by opposing quarterbacks and wide receivers at times and then did not play a lot last year. His fellow draft classmate, Diamador Lenore, who was drafted, you know, the same draft just a few rounds later, he got most of the work last year, um, you know, opposite Charvarius Ward when there was an injury, playing some nickel here or there, and that sort of thing. So I think he's already been kind of taken down a notch from when he was a rookie and, and playing big snaps. But I think the draft, Evan, uh, the drafting of corner Daryl Luter Jr. from South Alabama in the fifth round, I mean, obviously you can never have enough cornerback depth, and the Niners would still like some more. But I think to me, Evan, it signals that the 49ers aren't too high on Ambry Thomas entering his third season. Of course, there's still hope for him, and, and you believe that he can turn it around. Uh, but it seems to me... There's a clear pecking order in the cornerback room. Of course, Mooney Ward uh, is is number one overall, and they made some other acquisitions this offseason. But I think there's a pretty big gap from Diamador Lenore all the way down to Ambry Thomas in their, their young cornerbacks, um, and they're adding another into that mix. They hope that they can get a piece that they could play here or there this season on special teams, whatever the case may be. Uh, but I think Ambry Thomas might be a little bit of a loser in this draft. Um, considering if they were super confident in him, that cornerback room would be looking pretty solid. But I think they're trying to, to see if they can strike gold relatively late in the draft with another corner. I, I think it might signal something about Ambry Thomas. 
Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily throw D'Amador Lenore completely out of that group. I know that there's a big gap between him and the next guy. Um, Samuel Womack, more of that that kind of nickel corner. But I think anytime you you bring in, and especially with the Niners' history of drafting cornerbacks late, anytime you bring in a guy, uh, there's going to be a lot of eyebrows raised as to whether my position is secure or not. I think everyone outside of Charverius Ward is kind of up for reevaluation in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, I think, well, okay. So the obvious one we're, we're looking at would be Zane Gonzalez, right? That, that would be the exactly. guy who, yeah. who lost the most in this. They, <laughs> they took the most uh, highly touted kicker from this draft and a guy that was knocking home 59 yarders in the national championship <laughs> semifinals. And he's, you know, Jake, Jake Moody is in all likelihood going to be the starter. If he's not, as we, as you laid out eloquently on our last podcast, there's a lot of, uh, blame to go around San Francisco. But I, I also, the way I want to go with this, Mark, is the tight end position. And the only reason I throw the entire tight end position into huh. that, George Kittle is bona fide starter, top three tight end in the league, in my opinion, due to what he does in the running as well as the passing game. But he does have an opt out at the end of this upcoming season, and he is due quite a bit of cash afterwards now you can always renegotiate they did so with christian mccaffrey freeing up 11 million in cap space this offseason uh but afterwards there is a kind of a a significant period of time in which the 49ers do not have a choice of how to sort of let go george kittle without it being potentially um damaging cap wise he's on he's on a contract until his early to mid 30s um so i think that with cameron latsu a guy that you talked about kind of having a a hybrid background. He's very versatile, can block pass catching. To me, he fits the mold of a San Francisco 49er tight end. Charlie Warner's job, I think this year, I would consider him the biggest loser of the immediate tight ends. But looking down the line, I do think the Niners have positioned themselves nicely at that position to have some further discussions depending on what happens this year with George Kittle. Uh, I agree with you. If I had to pick one of the tight end group, it is Charlie Warner because, you know, if you, you think about what the backup tight ends do, Charlie Warner generally is the blocker. You're going to bring him in on running downs. Uh, you're going to bring him in on one side of the offensive line, George Kittle on the other. Maybe you have one of them kind of lined up in a fullback position alongside Kyle Juszczyk or whatever. You can do a lot with those guys, Kittle included, because they're versatile blockers. That's what Charlie Warner does best. Ross Dwelly, you bring him in on pass catching downs. If you need an extra pass catcher out there, he's your guy. And those two guys are both relatively good at those individualized roles, Evan. Um, I think at this stage of his career, Latu is a much better blocker than pass catcher. Not to say he can't become a better pass catcher, um, but because I think his best skill right now is blocking, specifically uh, run blocking, um, I think that you know puts Charlie Warner's job in a little bit more jeopardy. So all that said, I agree with you. If I had to pick uh, one member of the tight end position to be the quote-unquote loser of this draft, I think I'd have to pin that on Charlie Warner, unfortunately, just considering what the skill set is of, of Cameron Latu. And then the other tight end that they drafted, Braden Willis of Oklahoma, who you talked about a little bit last episode, He's also a really versatile guy and has lined up 
all over the formation offensively. And you mentioned kind of in the, the Kyle Juszczyk vein, who could be kind of asked to do anything on an offensive scheme. Not the greatest pass catcher, doesn't have a ton of experience doing that. But I would argue, again, probably best served right now as a blocker. So there might be another knock against Charlie Warner, unfortunately. Um, so long story short, I, I think I do agree with you there. Um, one other thing I, I want to make sure I mention, you brought up uh, Jake Moody, the kicker, and biggest loser is Zane Gonzalez, whatever. Um, I was doing some more digging and, and wondering why the Niners might draft a, a kicker in the third round. And it also got me thinking about the other half of a kicker's job, more than just making field goals. It's handling kickoffs. Um, the Niners were a very bad kickoff unit last year. Uh, opponents averaged, what, the third best field starting field position against the Niners kickoff unit. It's not all on the kicker. Of course, it's on the kick coverage team as well. But you look at what Jake Moody, Jake Moody, excuse me, did at Michigan. Uh, first in opponent starting position, second in kickoff hang time, third in kickoff grade, and fourth in kickoff distance. So this isn't just a pinpoint accurate guy, you know, between the posts, between the uprights, but he has a big leg and has had success pinning opponents back deep on kickoff. So I think that's also a reason why the Niners uh, did make this pick. And it's a reason why he is the obvious starter at, at kicker, making Zane Gonzalez perhaps the uh, the biggest loser from the draft. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, none of these guys are, again, are, are losers, but as far as, I guess, position to be lost. I also think like, if we're kind of just looking immediately, um, I think Jair Brown is a guy that could potentially challenge Deshaun Gibson. Um, I know that we laid out the path of Hufanga contributing primarily on special teams as a rookie, got some backup snaps, showed his stuff, improved incredibly from his freshman to sophomore yeah. NFL year. And to the point where he's now an all pro. I but I do think that the 49ers don't trade up as much as they did. Like I think they gave up three picks in order to move up to get this guy. He's incredibly valuable to them. And from seeing what he did at Penn State, and of course the versatility he has in the secondary, he can play big, he can play small, doesn't play incredibly fast, but plays better with as far as his game speed is concerned. Um I, th I think there could be a potential challenging, maybe not at the beginning of the season, but we're going to find out how good this kid is in, in mini camps and, of course, preseason. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him challenge for, you know, snaps at the start. And, and maybe if an injury happens or, you know, he just happens to ball out, uh, this kid could be potentially a guy that we're looking at this season. Uh, I, I really hate where my mind went when you said, you know, they traded three picks to move up to get him. <laughs> uh, you know, they really value him. My mind, of course, immediately went to Trey Lance and look where we are two two years later. Uh, I don't say that to, to say I disagree with you at all. I, they certainly yeah, really love. They're going to trade him in three <laughs> drafts. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. They love Jair Brown. I mean, everything I've read about him just seems like he fits the 49ers personality. He fits that locker room. It, it seems like now we'll wait and, and see what he's like, uh, you know, once you actually get in the season and then when he's around all of the guys. Uh, but all all of the 49ers seem to just be glowing about the person that he is. Of course, most important for a football team is your football ability. Um, and he had a good career at Penn State, but it does seem like he kind of fits the, the personality of this locker room as well. So I'm with you. They do really like 
Jair Brown. I would not be shocked if maybe towards the end of the season uh, he does get some run, regular run, um, you know, with the defense, not just on special teams. Um, but I would be shocked if it happens too early in the year. It, it is generally against the 49ers' way to give rookies on offense or defense that much action early. I think Mike McGlinchey is like the one major exception. He started as a rookie at right tackle, and there isn't really many others of late that got major snaps in the Kyle Shanahan era. Um, but I, I'm with you. They do really, really like him. Now We'll just see how his, how his rookie year goes. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Please download, rate, subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, all that jazz. That's Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings. Um, okay, well, you know, we talked about trading up for a quarterback and just kind of mentioned him offhand. Well, the 49ers actually signed a quarterback this week. They signed a veteran, the 30-year-old and former Cincinnati Bengal, Brandon Allen who I think has had, I think, 15 starts in his career, Mark. Um, you know, th- this is a, just kind of a, a fourth quarterback that actually Kyle Shanahan did mention a month ago, wanted to sign a fourth quarterback, can never have too much depth. Uh, mm-hmm. But to me, this is this is kind of a throwaway, and I really don't want to spend a ton of time talking about what it means because outside of him just so happening to play the position that three other guys that we've talked about a ton this offseason do, uh, it doesn't move the needle a whole lot. Yeah, 15 total games in his four years, nine of them starts. Uh, Six of those nine coming with the Cincinnati Bengals over the last three years. In his nine starts, two and seven quarterback record. I wouldn't read into it all that much. I mean, he played on a bad Denver team. He went one and two, 2020, one and four in five starts with Cincinnati. That was after Joe Burrow tore his ACL in his rookie year. And without Joe Burrow and even in Burrow's rookie year, that team around him was not very good. They got good the following year in 2021 when he made one start at the end of the year and, and did not win that game. Doesn't have a, a ton of experience. Um, I will say, you know, he helped back up a young, budding quarterback in Joe Burrow, and look at him now. Now he's a perennial contender in the AFC, a perennial MVP candidate, a perennial uh, uh-huh. pro bowler. Can he do something similar with Trey Lance? Maybe Brandon Allen is the secret sauce to getting your young quarterback going. Who knows? Oh, Trey Lance. I thought you were going to say Brock Purdy. Yeah, I, I, I actually brought him in to groom Purdy, the yeah. other heir apparent. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. You never know. Uh, They also signed Willie Sneed, or re-signed Willie Sneed, I should say. Uh, So the Willie Sneed era is back for the 49ers. Let's Um, go. It's big time. Yeah, no, uh, well, just one (laughs) last note on on Brandon Allen. To me, he's the Josh Johnson of this team now, essentially, is is what he is. He's He's a veteran quarterback, hasn't played a whole lot in the NFL, but has been on a multitude of teams, brings a lot of experience, valuable, probably locker room stability, perhaps some leadership. Uh, But similar to Josh Johnson, you hope that he's not on the field in a game that matters. Well, yeah, I mean, the Niners, so they were not sure if Brock Purdy was going to make the roster last year. Um, You got to help me out. I'm blanking on which quarterback they signed, and then they let go once they realized Brock Purdy was good in the offseason. He then went and became the backup for the Lions. Sudfeld, yeah. Yeah. So they had Nate Sudfeld. So they had Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, 
Nate Sudfeld, and they drafted Brock Purdy, four quarterbacks. They're not taking four uh, with them to the regular season. You're, you're taking three. You have Trey Lance, you have Brock Purdy, you have yeah. Sam Darnold, and now you have Brandon Allen. Uh, I don't think this means all that much. My guess is Brandon Allen is cut. And, you know, when you got to get down, you got to get your rosters down before the regular season. And then he finds a home somewhere else as a second or third string guy. And and the rest is history. Uh, so I do not think we will see any Brandon Allen in a 49ers uniform in the regular season. I would be shocked. Uh, if we do, that means bad things have happened for the 49ers this offseason. So I would not read into this signing really at all. Yes, it does. And uh, the last part of the 415ers episode today, uh, I think this was from an interview a week ago, Mark, but Debo Samuel was on the Cola's Balls YouTube show with Kevin Hart. It's a, it's, it's a comedic show. I encourage everyone to check it out. It's actually pretty funny. Basically, Kevin Hart, well-known megastar comedian, sits in a cold tub with athletes, entertainers, entrepreneurs, and he basically just shoots the bleep with them. And Debo Samuel was on last week and had a, a quote about what well, Kevin Hart asked him, who who's the team he hated the most in the NFL? And it was a pretty quick answer. And I think it was pretty <laughs> accurate. And it wasn't so much surprising, Mark. It is the Los Angeles Rams. Debo Samuel, Shocker. quote, absolutely hates the Los Angeles Rams. So, um and look, it actually kind of fits. Well, one, he did lose in the postseason then, but he is undefeated in the regular season against the L.A. Rams. Had a big game on Monday night earlier this season. Always seems to get up against the Rams. The feeling appears to be mutual. Aaron Donald has spoken out, of course, about how he does not like the 49ers. And the two teams have had a lot of history together recently. More towards the 49ers' favor, but in the postseason, the Rams have had the upper edge. Um, but we're just thinking about, like, who are who are the most hateable teams in the NFL right now? Hateable teams currently in the NFL. Uh oh man. That's I, tough. Honestly, I though, thinking... I, I am a bit shocked that it was. I mean, it makes sense that it's the Rams. Debo Samuel came into the league not so long ago, but it is a little interesting to hear a 49er player not say the Seattle Seahawks when it comes to hating a team in the NFC West. Well, yeah, when we, we first talking about this as an idea here on the on the podcast, uh the Seahawks are the first thing that popped into my head. Like I know it's an entirely different team. Now the, really the only holdover is head coach Pete Carroll. Uh, and, and that's enough to, to keep my hatred flowing for a little bit longer, I suppose. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's still the, the first team that, that comes to my head. Um, I have a really fun time hating on the Minnesota Vikings. I know, you know, that uh, yeah. I do feel a little bit bad though, because what has that fan base done to deserve that uh, terrible team? I don't know. Minnesota I, I probably nice. shouldn't call them terrible, um, but I no. mean they've they've just been they put through okay. been put through so much stuff over the last you know handful of years. Uh, maybe I should I should lay off a little bit. But for me, it's still Seattle. I know it's an entirely different team, and I can appreciate the way that they're building their roster. Evan, I think they had a fantastic draft, by the way. Uh, maybe we could we could get into that a little bit as we get closer to the season, taking a look at all the, the teams in the NFC West and their off seasons. Uh, but the Seahawks did a really good job, I think, for the second straight year in the draft. I think they're going to be really fun this year once again. Um, but for me, I think they're still my my most hated team. And it's it's not all that close for me. <laughs> uh, I understand. 
I have nothing against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I lived in St. Paul for a little bit. I love their there fans. I love the area. And even though I don't really get the Kirk Cousins thing, I think that's also where <laughs> we do not differ. Um, I don't know. Like hateable teams, I, I think it has to do a whole lot with either their branding, a coach, maybe an owner. Uh, so I'm very happy to see that the Washington commanders will not be owned. Hopefully True. soon by Daniel Snyder. I think that's an easy, easy, uh, organization to jump on the bandwagon and hate. Um, you know, kind of, kind of looking around, like I think for a while I, I disliked the New Orleans saints. Actually, I, I take that back last year. I disliked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I did not like that team. I did <laughs> not like the 45 year old Tom Brady and, <laughs> how he just it, anyone who retires and unretires does not have my respect. Also, I cannot trust them, which is one reason that I felt like this offseason he would unretire again and potentially come play for the 49ers. <laughs> um and then the, the kind of the the last team that I uh, I just I I just I cannot stand is due to their quarterback, but it's the Cleveland Browns. And for very obvious reasons, Deshaun Watson pisses me the hell off. So if we're ranking teams based on dislikable figures, Washington and Cleveland, and uh, then just kind of a personal random hatred for uh, what the Buccaneers were last year. Fair enough. Um, I can just imagine uh, Niner fans listening. If you are a little bit older than Evan and myself, maybe you're in your your upper 30s or, or into your 40s. You're screaming like, what about the Cowboys? Uh, that would be another one I throw in there just because of, of the history with the 49ers. For me personally, I don't my personal experiences don't really have a lot of those learned experiences to hate the Cowboys because a lot of that was before my time, or at least before I can really remember it. Uh, So that's a little more difficult for me, but I totally understand it. Jerry Jones, uh, as a person, uh, can get under my skin and get on my nerves a little bit as well. So uh, you got to give an honorable mention or a shout out to the Cowboys, specifically to Jerry Jones as well. I think they're on the list. Um, But because of the recent history, Seahawks, I love poking fun at the Vikings. I'm with you about the Buccaneers this past year. Although that's more, I think, personally for me, just because their brand of football this last year was so disgusting to watch. Oh, my God, it was a nightmare (laughs) trying to watch them and watch 45-year-old Tom Brady throw the ball 55 times a game, just wondering if we're going to get his arm to fall off, which would be the most exciting thing that happened to that team all year. Um, But, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. That was was a tough year. By the transitive property, this this – year my most hated team will probably be the new york jets because of their <laughs> soon-to-be skeleton of a quarterback and aaron Rodgers. i know he's been out of new york rangers playoff games he was at <laughs> madison square garden to see the knicks play the heat he he cut his hair he trimmed his beard he's all nyc now even though they play in new jersey and i i just i can't stand it and I will not. I will not be touching him in any sort of fantasy draft. I do not like the New York Jets now. They are on my bleep list. Although every team is really up for that at this point in the season, Mark. Everyone has a chance to be on my most hated list. Uh, of course, outside the 49ers. Yeah, it's a it's a clean slate. 
There's a lot that could happen throughout this entire rest We're of the offseason and the regular season. <laughs> we'll yeah. figure it out. Don't worry. <laughs> there will not be a shortage of teams to hate by the time the regular season rolls around. We will we will be picking. We'll we'll have the pick of the litter. It'll it'll be no. Nice. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's something we can keep going. Obviously, we'll have our, like our power rankings for teams that are good, and you know who's going to make the playoffs, <laughs> who's going to win the Super Bowl. But we can have our, our hateable power rankings. And uh, right in. now, New York Jets an early front runner. <laughs> I'm in. It'll be fun. Sounds good. That'll wrap this up for uh, this episode of the 415ers podcast. Again, as always, please download, rate, subscribe. Check out the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network, a lot of other great content there. Check us out on YouTube. Please subscribe to the 95.7 The Game channel. And we're coming at you twice a week here in the offseason. We'll be back next Tuesday, next Thursday. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, enjoy your weekend. That is Mark Grandy. I'm Evan Giddings. We'll talk to you next time.